From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. We're on the road again, broadcasting from the Grove Church in Maysville, Georgia. The Grove hosted FRC's Watchmen on the Wall Pastors Briefing today. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we are joined by the host pastor, Jeff Appling, along with Bishop Garland Hunt, pastor of the Father's House outside of Atlanta. But first, it's plain to see the labor market is extremely tight and inflation is much too high. Against this backdrop, today the FOMC raised its policy interest rate by three-quarters of a percentage point and anticipates that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate will be appropriate. That was Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, yesterday announcing yet another interest rate increase. Uh, Today, despite the Biden administration's spin that we see is that we are not currently in a recession or uh, a pre-recession. Everything that we are seeing uh, currently right now does not show that we are in a recession. And that is just th- the fact. That was the White House uh, press secretary. Again, despite uh, the economic numbers, they continue to spend. Those numbers released today show more decline with the gross domestic product falling for the second quarter in a row. How significant was the decline and what does that mean? To you and your family, we'll break it down with Oklahoma Congressman Kevin Hearn, chairman of the Republican Study Committee's Budget and Spending Task Force. And as the economy continues to sink under the policies of the Biden administration, what is the administration focused on? They remain focused on abortion and their radical sexual ideology, in particular, transgendering children. It's very important to note that the fact that the appropriateness of a range of medical treatments, evaluations and treatments of people who are transgender and transgender youth is thoroughly grounded in medical research. Really? Well, that was the Assistant Secretary of Health in the Department of Health and Human Services, Rachel Levin. Uh, What does the research really tell us? We've been warning of the dangers of this agenda spiritually, emotionally and physically. Now. Even the FDA is issuing warnings about the use of puberty blockers, which are central to the transgendering of children. Dr. Quentin Van Meter, president of the American College of Pediatricians, the pediatric and a pediatric endocrinologist, is here to explain. And as I mentioned, we are in Georgia for a briefing of pastors, so it makes sense to have one of our good friends, Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss, join us. Jody is a former pastor himself, and he was a part of today's briefing virtually as Congress uh, was in session today. He joins us later with an update from the Hill and the status of the effort to stop the Senate's effort to codify the court's redefinition of marriage into law. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Also, let me remind you to visit FRC's new news and commentary site. That is the Washington Stand, WashingtonStand.com, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical perspective. And since we're in Georgia, let me remind you to register for this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit being hosted at the First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. The summit will be September the 14th through the 16th. Pray Vote Stand for life. To register or to find out more, go to prayvotestand.org slash summit. Our word for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is found in Psalm 75. It's verses 6 and 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Don't look to your left or to your right for advancement in this world. Look above and trust in the Lord. He is the judge. He promotes and he demotes as well. To join us in our journey through the Bible, visit frc.org slash Bible. I also invite you to join me each morning at 844 a.m. Eastern time for short devotional based upon the daily reading plan. To find out uh, how you can be a part of that, go to TonyPerkins.com. Earlier this morning, the Bureau of Economic Analysis released its gross domestic product report for the second quarter of 2022. It shows a decrease in the real GDP of 0.9%. That marks the second consecutive quarter of negative GDP growth, which is typically the marker for a recession. So what does that mean? 
Well, we're joining we're joined now by uh, Congressman Kevin Hearn, who is a member of the House Ways and Means Committee, and he's chair of the Republican Study Committee on the Budget and Spending Task Force, and he represents the first congressional district of Oklahoma. Congressman Hearn, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you, Tony. Now, before we get into today's uh, GDP report, we might want to go back to yesterday's announcement from the Federal Reserve uh, uh, announcing yet another rate increase. What's your take on that? Well, I think uh, Chairman Powell now is trying to do anything and everything he can to curtail inflation, uh, you know, which obviously the administration has denied since the American Rescue Plan started all this back in February of last year, uh, immediately after Biden coming into office and uh, the Democrats ramming through $1.9 trillion in spending. And everybody uh, is talking about inflation except for the very group of people, the Democrats in the White House, who caused inflation. And then they went on to uh, say that it was only going to be 5% at the end of the year. Of course, it was uh, or 4%, then it was 5%. And then they said that it was going to be, you know, obviously transitory. And it's not. And now they said we wouldn't go into a recession, a recession, but they tried to redefine it. But we are. And, you know, if we keep down this road, we're going to they're going to be redefining the, the idea of a depression because, uh, you know, when we saw come out of the House or excuse me, out of the Senate yesterday wanting to spend you know, another trillion dollars. Um, right. Uh, the, the Democrats are just not listening to the American people. Well, and, and that's going to be next week. We have the uh, the Senate taking up reconciliation now that there is uh, uh, an agreement, apparently, among themselves. They're going to be pushing this forward. And they don't need the Republicans uh, in the reconciliation process. That's uh, what they're proposing is adding more fuel to the fire, as I understand it. Well, when you look at this bill, we ha- we don't know what the total cost is going to be. It's, it's getting scored right now. But what we do know, it attacks fossil fuels even uh, further. It goes after a rewarding a union plants to sell electric vehicle card uh, cars, you know, some another $7,500 to buy an $80,000 electric vehicle. Uh, it's, it's just more of the same, more spending, uh, no control. Uh, you know, right now what we're seeing, uh, you know, in the Senate, we saw the, the, the leader over there say that, uh, you know, the CHIPS plan was dead. It built back better was on the table. Uh, yesterday, it obviously got put back on the table. Uh, today, we have Republican leadership uh, whipping against this bill, the CHIPS bill, and I applaud them for their leadership. So let's go now to today's report on the GDP, yeah, second quarter in a row. This time, it is a 0.9% decrease technically, as we've talked about. That's the uh, definition, or historically has been used the definition of recession. But they're talking about with uh, you know jobs still being strong, uh, we're not in a uh, recession. I mean, so so what, where is the economy? You're a businessman. Uh, you, you've employed uh, hundreds of people back in Oklahoma. Uh, where is the economy? Well, when you talk to the, the small business people out there and businesses in general, like Walmart, we saw what they, they said. And they, they obviously sell to the masses of people that are in the middle and low income. They're seeing what's going on when you look at the energy for your home and fuel for your car and food for yourselves. There's some 15 to 20 percent increase in costs, which are inflationary to those folks that have a limited income. And so these things and those three items, by the way, account for about 85 percent of their spending. We see that reflected in their forecast and we see what happened uh, you know, across the country. That's not anywhere in particular area. We talk to small businesses. Uh, you know, in the business world, you don't define success as everything slowing down. And that's exactly what this administration is saying. We need the economy to slow down. We need to be have less job openings and we need the, uh, the wage increases to cool uh, anywhere else except for the federal government. We'd say that's really bad policy. But somehow the Biden administration, the Democrats say that's what we need to have happen in order for inflation to get under control. The very people that caused the inflation. So, uh, Congressman Hearn, what does that what does that mean for the average family in America? What, what, what you know, while wa- Washington may be denying it, the uh, the inflation rate continues to go up. Prices are going up. What does this mean to the American family and what is the way forward? Well, that means for everything you buy, it's going to cost more, even more this month. Uh, I anticipate based on what I'm seeing that it's going to be even higher inflation this month. 
You're also going to be paying more if you're buying a home. Interest rates have over doubled since last year. Uh, you know, at the three quarter percent increase at the Fed yesterday, we know that mortgages are going to go up again. They'll be over six uh, very shortly, and they were under three a year ago. So to buy a home, uh, especially your first home, is going to be more uh, difficult to do so. Those payments are going to be higher because of interest. Also, if you've got kids going back to school here in less than you know two to three weeks, and everything that goes in your school supplies are going to cost more across the board. It, it, you know, it's just uh, the only thing that's going down right now uh, are gases, gas prices, but it's because demand is down, because the economy is slowing down. It's not because of any uh, policy from this administration. Now, Congressman, I know you got to go uh, in just a moment here to make uh, uh, votes are taking place on the House floor. You, you chair the Republican Study Committee's budget uh, task force. This fall's election, the economy is really on the ballot in terms of if Congress has is under the control of the Republicans, we might see a return to fiscal responsibility because they control the purse strings. Well, we will. I mean, you run to win the majority so that you can, when you win the majority, you govern. Uh, I've not, I've only been here three and a half years, so I've not been in the majority, but I have, the, the time that I have been here, I've never seen the House Budget Committee that's been ran by the Democrats to even do a budget so that we can get into the regular appropriations process. It's the only way we're going to get our fiscal uh, house back in order is to actually go through the process that was set forth by federal statute in 1974. And the Congress doesn't even follow its own rules. So I can understand why the American people are frustrated. It, uh, the recent polling as of just this past week, 46% of Americans say the number one issue in America is inflation and the economy. And we need to listen to that. We need to get our fiscal house in order. And the only way we're going to do that, it was just released in June, that we are having record revenues. The 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act is, is driven record revenues. The CBO can't explain it. And the reason it can't explain it is because they've never seen these kind of policies that were put forth under the Trump administration that got government out of the way, job creators created job, put Americans to work, got the dependency off the federal government. And that's what happens when you have a free market, free enterprise system like we have. This is the greatest in the world. When you get Washington, D.C. out of the way, you can unleash this incredible economy. Well, let's hope we can get back to that once again and uh, let the economy work uh, unrestrained by government regulation and uh, the high taxes that we're seeing pushed by this administration. Uh, Congressman Kevin Hearn, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Again, I know you got to get to the floor to vote, so we appreciate you being with us today. Again, check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Contact information for the guests that we have on the program also. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, and I'm going to talk about this again with our next guest, the marriage effort, the effort to redefine marriage. Of course, the courts did it back in 2015, but now the Congress is looking to codify this into law. Now, this will be, this will bring about a cascading effect on religious liberty. I mean, you, we will just begin to see the left pile on. So I need you to go to TonyPerkins.com under Episode Resources. Click on Contact Your Senator. Let them know where you stand. All right, don't go away, because coming up, we're going to be joined by Congressman Jody Heiss of Georgia to talk more about the marriage amendment and other issues on Capitol Hill. So we're back right after this. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. 
To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Thanks so much for joining us. As I mentioned, we're broadcasting once again from the road, this time in Maysville, Georgia, where today, earlier today, the Family Research Council had its uh, pastors conference, the Watchman on the Wall briefing for pastors, and we drew church leaders from across the state of Georgia for a special event. And this is designed to encourage, inspire, and, uh, and help pastors and their congregations engage the culture from a biblical perspective. And if, you know, as we talk about in this program, there's never been a time when the truth has been under assault like it is today. And we need pastors to to stand. Well, one of our uh, featured speakers today happens to represent this area. He represents the 10th Congressional District of the Peach State. He joined us, joined us, uh, joined us virtually because uh, the Congress is in session today. But he joins us now as well, Congressman Jody Heiss. Jody, welcome back to the program. Tony, always great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, and as a former pastor, you understand the importance of pastors. and You also understand you know, you, you, you understand the, the pressures they face, the challenges that uh, greet them every day. Share a little bit about uh, the message you had for pastors today. Yeah, the bottom line, Tony, we're, we are facing issues in our country that cannot be resolved through another piece of legislation or through more money being thrown at whatever the issue is. What we're facing in America today is a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual one spiritual issue after another. And you can't solve those type of problems legislatively. We need the spiritual leaders of our country stepping up, uh, both in prayer and in action, to see this uh, turn around. And so the message, basically, that I had for the pastors this morning was along those lines, that this is the hour for the body of Christ to step up to the plate, to engage our culture uh, through prayer and through action to be salt and light with the realization, the understanding that it's impossible to be salt and light without being engaged. And when it comes to spiritual issues, this is the hour that we must be engaged. Well, when we look at what's happening nationally, especially from this administration, 
you know, the Biden administration, the Department of Justice earlier this week met with uh, pro-abortion groups uh, to help them navigate the the post-Dobbs world, if you will. But at the same time, we have seen uh, over 100 uh, pro-life organizations and care pregnancy centers attacked, but it's crickets from the Department of Justice. I think some people are just saying, where's the justice in the Biden administration? Yeah, that is a that is a huge problem. And uh, look, the, when, when as a nation, when we throw God out of the public square, among other things, one of the results is going to uh, of that is a lack of justice. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And, yeah, the where is justice? It appears as though Lady Justice, the blinders that have been on her eyes have been removed. And we have a double standard now that if you're a radical left wing, uh, you you get a pass on everything from riotous behavior to uh, unethical and even unlawful behavior. But if you're a conservative, if you're a Christian in America today, standing on your First Amendment rights, uh, you you are going to face some consequences. And what we're seeing with the pregnancy resource centers is a great example of that. I've been heavily involved, um, in fact, specifically myself and Andrew Clyde, who also represents this uh, area of Georgia. We represent the University of Georgia. Two professors at the University of Georgia have publicized the locations of every single pregnancy resource center in the country. It is like a hit list, Tony, and they have put this out. Uh, We've called on the University of Georgia to take this off of the website. They've refused to do so. Uh, But, yeah, we've had over 100 attacks on these different places, and absolutely, you're right, crickets from the Department of Justice, and that cannot stay as it is. We must have the Department of Justice step in the gate, in the gap. And it and it just it, it fuels the lawlessness that we've seen in this country in the last couple of years. And it's um, that more than anything uh, is disturbing to me because that's where you see the unraveling taking place of a system of government of a country that is governed by the rule of law. I, I want to switch gears. Speaking of the law, the. Senate, after the House took this up, the so-called Respect Marriage Act, where 47 Republicans disturbingly voted for this. It's now over in the Senate. This is codifying. It's taking what the court did back in 2015 in the Obergefell case, where they just created this right to same-sex marriage to redefine 5,000 years of human history. That's now in the Senate. What is uh, What are you hearing in terms of the status of that in the Senate? Tony, I'm hearing that it's uh, we're, we're walking a very, very fine line as to whether or not this is going to make it through the Senate or not. And if it does, rest assured, this will transform our country. It will transform religious liberties at the end of the day in our country, among a host of other things. But we're hearing right now that uh, it's going to be a close call. We have some senators who are walking the line. And we need right now people all over this country reaching out to their senators, calling them, urging them uh, not to support this horrible piece of legislation that transforms marriage. And look, we we have a lot of talk about uh, all the mass shootings, all this kind of stuff. One of the common denominators with all of this type of activity is a breakdown of the family. And the individuals that are involved in these type of heinous crimes invariably uh, had horrible family environments. The last thing we need in America at this point is to codify a horrible decision that the Supreme Court made in 2015. Uh, We need to be able to restore the uh, family unit to its most healthy uh, place that it can be, but this bill will do just the opposite. Yeah, and, and you're right. It's absolutely an attack on religious liberty. It's an attack on children. It, uh, it must be stopped. Congressman Jody Heiss, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on Washington Watch, and thank you for uh, joining us earlier today at the Watchman Briefing. Glad to do it, Tony. Thank you much. Congressman Jody Heiss of Georgia. All right, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and under the episode resources, contact information for your senators. You need to weigh in on this. I don't do this often. 
But this is one of those things you need to weigh in on. Even if you've done it once, do it again. They need to hear from you. All right, coming up, the FDA is warning that puberty blockers can be dangerous. We talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So glad you're with us today. The website, again, TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, backdrop looks a little different because we're on the road again. We're at the Grove Church uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, as this was the site of uh, our Watchman on the Wall pastor's briefing earlier today. So I'll talk more about that in the next segment. But, you know, one of the things we've been talking about, you know, the, the economy doing poorly, more economic bad news today. And so is this administration focused on helping get the economy moving again? Not so much so, because they're focused like a laser on the abortion issue and transgendering our children. I mean, they're promoting this idea. The president himself promoting this idea that, you know, hey, if a kid confused about his gender, let him uh, let him have this gender affirming treatment, meaning puberty blockers, in some cases, surgery. Well, the Food and Drug Administration added a warning to medication commonly referred to as these puberty blockers, signaling they may pose serious risk for children who take them. Now, the FDA identified six cases of girls between the ages of 5 and 12 who experienced significant uh, physical issues uh, involving or uh, including brain swelling, severe headaches, nausea, double vision, and even blindness as a result of taking it. So question is, will the Biden administration uh, continue to promote this as safe and appropriate? Well, joining me now to discuss this, Dr. Quentin Van Meter. He's the, a pediatric endocrinologist and president of the American College of Pediatricians. Dr. Van Meter, welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad to be back. Thanks so much, Sonny. All right. So describe for our listeners uh, what in our viewers, what the FDA is warning uh, about the side effects of these puberty-blocking drugs? So this is a, a, a survey over a number of years of, of data collected uh, looking for side effects from the use of the puberty blockers. And it's rare. Uh, it, it incidence is very similar to that uh, with some of the other treatment modalities that we use in, in endocrinology on a regular basis, uh, one of them being uh, human growth hormone. 
And so it's it's a signal that we need to be watchful for because in, in the cases where we do use these drugs, in, in the case of growth hormone, to treat significant deficiency state of growth hormone, which affects growth and which uh, th this medication has been used for over, over 35 years uh, to treat these kids, we need to be aware that this could be a side effect. Now, it tends to be a reversible side effect in that when you stop therapy, uh, the symptoms resolve. The, the, the mechanism of this is clearly not understood. Uh, it, is, it is possibly a combination of overproduction of spinal fluid as well as underabsorption of spinal fluid. Uh, it, but it does present with serious symptoms of uh, severe debilitating headache, blurry vision, vomiting, uh, the kind of thing that you would see if you had a space-occupying lesion in the, in the brain. Uh, but there is no, no such lesion when you look for it. Uh, the relief of these symptoms is, is from uh, releasing the pressure of spinal fluid by doing a spinal tap. Uh, and the symptoms then generally resolve. In some cases, they do not. Again, this is an exceptionally rare kind of a, of a circumstance. But the importance here in the, in the treatment of transgender kids is that we are, we are choosing to treat uh, kids that do not have a particular uh, physiologic disease state. And so it calls into the question that there is a safety uh, issue with the medication. Uh, there is just one more new reason, uh, well-documented, rare, but definitely important to consider for not using the puberty blockers uh, for something that is not essentially a, a, a life-threatening condition that would require uh, intervention with these medications. So the 35 years of uh, data that's been collected now, in most of those cases, what we've seen historically, the use of these uh, puberty blockers have been to deal with uh, actual physical issues that some children have, and it's been relatively limited. But now we're seeing an expansion of the use of these drugs in areas where it's not physical, physiologically uh, needed. So, I mean, could we see an expansion of these side effects now being reported because of the expanded use? The, the idea that, uh, you know, when the drug is rarely used to treat precocious puberty, which is its indication uh, in children that has been longstanding, if we expand dramatically the use uh, in patients with uh, gender identity incongruence, uh, we are opening up the door for a much wider use of this medication, and, and therefore we should see uh, an increase, a significant increase. In the kids that were, that were reported so far, only one was a child who was under the transgender indication. Uh, the other five were for precocious puberty. So mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to exponentially expand the use of puberty blockers in a population of kids where the incidence of, of gender incongruence issues is well above the uh, incidence of precocious puberty in the general population. So we would expect to see uh, many more kids uh, with this particular uh, unfortunate uh, side effect from the medication. So final question for you, Dr. Van Meters, we're up against a, a break. Is it appropriate for the administration, the health administration of the Biden uh, at White House, to say that it is safe and appropriate to use these drugs? It clearly brings to question the, the safety issues. Um, and this new uh, publication of the FDA warning uh, would be, I think, a shot across the bow of such a recommendation from the Biden administration that we've got one government institution saying, look out, there is a safety signal here that would call into question the use of this medication. And we've got the Biden administration saying, go, go full force ahead. It's just not compatible. All right. Dr. Van Meter, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Take care. All right. All right, folks, stick with us. Uh, we're going to be joined by two of the pastors that were with us here today at the Grove at our Washington briefing for pastors. So don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch right after this. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. 
Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. As I mentioned, we are on the road again today. We've been uh, crisscrossing the country this week. It's been a busy, busy week. But we are at the Grove Church, which is uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And today, earlier today, the Family Research Council's Watchman on the Wall ministry, that's our ministry to pastors and churches, we held a special briefing for pastors and church leaders here in the uh, Peach State. Now, we We organize events like this uh, to encourage pastors, to equip pastors, and to help them and their congregations to engage in the culture. And that includes politics, as some people would describe. And so uh, we do this from a biblical worldview. I mean, if we want to change the country, we're going to have to bring a little light to the darkness. And so as I've, uh, you know, I mentioned this a lot on the program, our republic was made not for spectators, but for participants. And I know the world wants to suggest, or they do suggest, that if you're a Christian, you've got to leave that worldview at the door of public engagement. That could not be farther from the truth. As Christians, everything we do should be influenced by and guided by our biblical faith. And that's why we talk about that on this program. Well, join me now. Uh, to talk more about this, two pastors that were uh, part of our briefing today. In fact, uh, the senior pastor here at the Grove, who was our host today, Pastor Jeff Appling. Uh, he's the lead pastor here at the Grove. And we also have with us Bishop Garland Hunt, who is the senior pastor of the Father's House in uh, Georgia here as well. Uh, guys, thanks so much for being with us. Thank, Thank you so much. And, and Pastor Jeff, I want to thank you for uh, for hosting us today. My pleasure, sir. Beautiful facility. Just thank a you. wonderful campus. And uh, your, your folks are great. And so thank you for hosting us. So let me just start with you. Um, so why did you host us? Well, I'm passionate about what you're passionate about. And that's the word of God and the values that we need restored in our nation. And when I saw an opportunity, 
I said, let's do this. Well, we're we're grateful for it, and and I know that uh, your reputation precedes you in terms of speaking on these issues, biblical issues. Yes. And that point was made today, uh, Bishop Hunt, that these issues that are often called political, long before they were political, mm-hmm. they were spiritual, moral issues. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons I was honored to be with you today, because the world needs to understand that politics and the word of God are not separate. That we have to have the kingdom of God must speak to every area, every mountain, every sphere of influence. And I just refuse to believe that government somehow has a a buy on that. They can somehow pass the overlooking of the kingdom of God. So as preachers, we have to remind people that we can speak, when we speak on behalf of the kingdom, we can speak to these areas. And that was one of the things I wanted to make sure I resonated today in the message that the kingdom of God has something to say about every area, including politics and government. Well, and from a personal perspective, you've been involved in government. You have served in the government here in Georgia. Um, And you've done so from a biblical perspective. Everyone knew you were a a pastor, but you served. Share that a little bit about that with our viewers and listeners. Well, my my first indication was I felt moved to even run for office as a state representative here in in Georgia. Uh, I was not successful in that election, but our first Republican governor was Governor Sonny Perdue, and he appointed Mm -hmm. me to the parole board. And serving on the parole board, I later served as chairman of the parole board during some very challenging times. But we also started a faith initiative in the state to try to get churches to at least help the transitioning of those coming out of prison to have a, a successful transference back into the community. Right. And and the evidence on that, because I did the same thing in Louisiana when I served in the legislature, is that the recidivism rate drops dramatically when there is a faith component involved there. Oh, it's absolutely necessary. But you know what was so bad about it? A lot of people want to go into prison and preach, but they're not necessarily ready to welcome them at the gate right, right. and really help them through their transition. Yeah. So we found some difficulty with it, but it did not stop the effort that God gave me to do here in the state. And I think it's only enhanced your ability to speak into these issues because you've walked through that practically speaking uh, as, as well. Yeah, Pastor Jeff, when you look at what is happening in our culture. Of course, Georgia is a, a pretty red state, although it was. It, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you, you've got some representation here that, uh, well, I don't think is reflective of uh, the vast majority of the territory of the state of Georgia, but that's uh, that's a topic for another day. But the absence of a consistent voice from the church I believe is inescapable in terms of how we got to where we're at. Mm-hmm. How do we fix that? Well, today we were listening to the uh, several of the speakers, and the one thing that was so common and yet so powerful was the desire and the need for courage. Yes, yeah, and not to be afraid. And even though when you're staring in the face of something scary, to to have the power of the Holy Spirit of God and the confidence of God's word to speak the truth, regardless of the consequences, Mm -hmm. even though you would love to escape the consequences. Mm -hmm. If we decide that that's the priority, then we will go silent Mm -hmm. and we cannot afford that. So so let me ask you, do do pastors face fear? Absolutely. (laughs) What what are, let's talk about some of those fears that, uh, that pastors face. Well, I'll yield to, (laughs) Pastor, you share, and I'll do my best. Yeah, I I would love to say something about that. You know, it's so very important for us to understand that we have to answer to God more than we answer to our congregation. Mm. But but it's it's, it's no doubt there is a challenge because when you have leaders that will leave you, I've had leaders literally leave me because I endorsed certain candidates or I stood on certain grounds. So when you have leaders that will leave you, people, major uh, donors in your ministry, tithers that will walk away, that, that 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 conforms to the pastor in his own preparation because he doesn't want to ignite some type of anger 
that will resist what he says, but you have to have a burden and a passion from God, a fire literally that shut up in your bones that you have to speak courageously. Yeah. And that's what drives me every Sunday. I cannot look at their faces. I have to look at what the Lord is speaking through me. You know, I think uh, that reminds me of, of Joshua when he took over from Moses. And, and you see this really, this pattern throughout Scripture. When God calls someone, uh, generally speaking, before God does a, a major work, you get this message, do not fear. Mm-hmm. And his message to Joshua, be strong and courageous. It was interesting, and you look in in First Joshua, or Joshua chapter 1, that that call was not courage in the face of the enemy, mm-hmm. but it was courage to obey God. Yeah. And, and that's really what this is about. It is having the courage to obey God and not worry and be concerned about what the world or even your congregation thinks when, when you mentioned Joshua, he had to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Will I step into the water and obey God? Will we go into the promised land? Will we see God move? And I think the hardest step is the first one. Yeah. You take the first step, God moves. Mm -hmm. And for us, we can look at fear and it can paralyze us. And we go, I'm not taking that step. It's going to cost too much, mm-hmm. lose reputation, mm-hmm. influence, whatever. And, and that's another point that was made today. One gentleman said, I surrendered my reputation to God. Yeah. And for me, that was so liberating because mm-hmm. I belong to the Lord. And whatsoever will be, will be. Trust him, mm-hmm. leave the consequences to God. Another uh, theme that was woven throughout the day, and you started it, uh, Pastor Jeff, with your message this morning, and that is the word of God. Yes. It, 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 the, the, we must have the word of God central to everything that we do. And that's something at the Family Research Council, I talk about every program. We start with a, a word for the day, which comes from our two-year journey through the Bible. And we've got thousands of folks across the country mm-hmm. that are a part of that journey. I, I will tell you, uh, as I say frequently, the only reason we can stay engaged and be encouraged and optimistic about the future is because we begin every day in the word of God. Yes. And it is, it is central to who we are as an organization, but it's central to who we are as believers. And there's, from my perspective, there's nothing that's been more neglected than the word of God in the church. And if we want to experience the power of God and the authority of God, we've got to be in the word of God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I share with our people a little principle called Ed Med, E-D-M-E-D. Every day means every day. And we put our hearts in the Word of God. You know, we visit books. Mm-hmm. We live inside yeah. the Bible. Yeah. And the Word of God has been steadfast, and it causes you to be unmovable. When, it, when the whole world is crashing against you, the strength of God's Word yeah. is what keeps you sustained and fed and discipled and growing. Garland, what I find about the Word of God is that, especially today, I mean, we talked about it early in the program. It was talked about today, uh, the this effort to codify the court's redefinition of mm-hmm. marriage into mm-hmm. to statute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the court created that out of nothing. America is only one of seven countries that had this imposed upon us by the courts out of 195 countries, and still only 33 countries today out of 195 have same-sex marriage. And, you know, we're, you know, Christians are intimidated, Mm -hmm. but it's not our opinion. It's not even our view. It's the word of God. And if we're in the word of God, standing on the word of God, to me, that makes it real easy. And, you know, it really should be, uh, Tony, but, you know, it it was terrible when uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade came out with the Dobbs decision. The Atlanta Journal Constitution is an example. They came to me. Uh, they came to several pastors in the city, including, I don't mind to say that the president, you know, state senator, Raphael Warnock, and he was saying, I'm a pro-choice pastor. Then they came to me, and I said that I pray that every state will say that abortion is unconstitutional and it's not legal. And it, it literally reversed the curse on our nation. But they, had, but they had several different pastors that claimed they were preaching the word, but they were socializing the gospel. They wanted the gospel to fit that narrative as opposed to standing on the errant word of God. And that's one of the things that really bothers me because it confuses people. We have to stand right. firmly planted on the word of God without any excuse or any kind of apology. And, and it's, 
it's not difficult because it's not our opinion. So when we're asked, it's it's not our opinion. I, I've I've seen this uh, over the years. Many uh, prominent evangelical leaders kind of, uh, you know, they're put on the spot. Do you really think that Christianity is the only way mm-hmm. uh, to heaven? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they kind of dodge. And mm-hmm. look, it's real simple. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Right. I didn't say that. Jesus That's did. Right. But if I'm going to follow him, I've got to believe him. That's right. And That's so right. he is the definitive word on the matter. He also, in Matthew chapter 19, said, have you not read from the beginning that mm-hmm. God created them male and female? Mm-hmm. He is the definitive word on gender. Mm-hmm. So it's not our opinion. It's what God has said. And, of course, obviously, science backs all of that up as well. Absolutely. It's just a matter of having the courage. So what would you say to pastors out there? Because I, I, I talked about this today. Talked to a member of Congress who voted the wrong way on the uh, marriage bill. And and he called apologizing and, and, you know, telling me why and all this. And he said he called his pastor. Mm-hmm. And his pastor told him, oh, it's okay to vote for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if, the, if the church, the spiritual leaders are not taking mm-hmm. a definitive stand for truth, how can we point the finger at the culture mm-hmm. or political leaders? Mm-hmm. The, the culture is looking for a stand, though. They, they, the, the narrative has been set with, with the CNN, MSNBC, all the, all the other statements that are out here mm-hmm. in the culture with media, social media also. But they're looking for someone in the pulpit to be strong. Yes. And you have to be strong enough so that you can go against what the culture says. So you know, regardless of the world standard or the culture's narratives, there needs to be a clear word from yes. God that's undeniable, that's not confused, there's no shadows on it, but it's very clear. This is yeah. what the word says. And, and I, will, I will affirm that because I have had political leaders ask me, Tony, why do pastors want us to talk about things here in Congress that they won't preach from their pulpits? Mm -hmm. They're looking to the spiritual leaders to provide the leadership for our nation morally, spiritually, and culturally. I would say the fear of God is what motivated my heart from Mm -hmm. the very beginning, even to this day. And I've been a Christian for 41 years. And I still believe mm-hmm. the judgment of God begins at the house of God. Yeah. Yeah. And when we will do and say obediently mm-hmm. what God said, mm-hmm. I believe there's hope. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. If the church will turn wholeheartedly to God, I believe we can turn the nation yes. back to him mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Pastor Jeff, I want to thank you for uh, for hosting us again today. Our pleasure. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bishop Garland Hunt, I want to thank you for uh, for your leadership here in Georgia. And, and, and you've been a longtime friend of uh, FRC. We connected through uh, Wellington Boone, Bishop That's Boone, That's and uh, grateful for his leadership as well. And uh, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. And, folks, I want to thank you for joining us uh, once again on the road at the Grove Church outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Be back. Uh, well, actually, be coming from uh, from here again tomorrow as we're uh, continuing in the state of Georgia. But I want to thank you for joining us. And again, please go to the website tonyperkins.com under the episode resources. Contact your senators; they need to hear from you today. You may have already talked to them. Talk to them again. It's critically important that they hear from you. All right. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 
372-7234. 